0: Well, we are in week two now of our Church Why Bother series. If you were here last week, you know that, that we're trying to intentionally listen to the millennial generation, the younger generation coming up, many of whom are choosing not to bother with the church. You ask church, why bother? There are many of them saying, I don't have a reason. So they don't. They're walking away from the church. Again, I'm so thankful for many of you who are millennials born in the 80s and 90s, who are engaged here at Ivan Rest Church. I was looking at the worship team. There's about half of the worship team up here this morning leading you in worship. Our, our millennials are that age, and so many of you are serving all throughout. Thank you. But still, so many are walking away. And instead of shaking our fingers at them, instead of chastising them and scolding them, we need to listen to them. We need to hear why they're leaving. What are they seeing in us or not seeing in us? How do we listen to them and become a better family of God, a better community of Jesus Christ? You know, and so far, so far I think the church in general has not listened really well. We've tried hard to attract millennials to keep them, but we haven't really listened to what they they want. We haven't really learned well from them. So we've done a myriad of things to, tr- to try to attract them, right? Pastors nowadays have become hipper, right? You've got to have a hip pastor wearing skinny jeans and a skinny tie, or no, maybe not a tie at all, a t-shirt instead. And the pastor needs to use more words like, like dude and lit, and needs to say, you know, you know, turned down for what more often? Just to be hip, right? Even though it's really awkward when you're a middle-aged guy and you embarrass your kids when you talk like that, right? You need hipper pastors to attract them, right? We we change our church names to one-word names like Vine and Gather, thinking that will bring them in, right? So is that we're a hipper community. We we turn our stages into theaters with lights and fog machines and. And here's the big one. We go beyond just regular and decaf options for coffee afterwards. And now you can get, you know, you can get blended caramel macchiatos and, I don't even know how to say it, and cinnamon lattes and that will bring them in, right? That will keep them here. We give things away to bring them in. We give away tablets and, and we give away TVs. One church on Easter gave away a car. That won't be happening here anytime soon, So, but still come on Easter, okay? And we think all those things, that will reach the younger generation. That will bring them in. That will keep them here. But we haven't asked them, is that really what you want? Is that what you're looking for? When you come to church, sure, a free latte would be fine. You want to give me a tablet, that's great. But is that really what they're looking for in church? You know, I am no great expert. I've read a little bit. I've studied a little bit. But those who have talked directly to them have found something quite different, right? Let me simply quote what one young adult shared about her generation. She said this. You can't hand us a latte, then go about business as usual and expect us to stick around. We're not leaving church because we don't find the cool factor there. We're leaving church because we don't find Jesus there. Wow. Listen to that last sentence again. We're not leaving church because we don't find the cool factor there. We're leaving the church because we don't find Jesus there. That is sobering. That should make our ears perk up. What millennials, what the younger generation, what they aren't looking for, they aren't looking for better produced Christianity. They're looking for truer Christianity. They're looking for Jesus to be evident here. Now that sounds a little bit too obvious, doesn't it? Of course Jesus is going to be here. This is a church, right? What else would they find here? Well, sad to say when, when you peel away the layers of many church communities, to find out you, know, you peel away the layers of what you do again until you get to the core of what really matters, Often you'll find that Jesus is not there at the core, right? There's a lot of organizations like that. Organizations that you assume you know what they're all about, but you peel away the layers and they're about something different, right? We assume that all schools at the core are about educating students. Peel away the layers of some schools and you find out they're about passing standardized tests. Or they're about having the best sports team. Or about attracting more students. We assume that all major league baseball teams are about winning baseball games at the core. That's not my Tigers right now. Okay? They are not about winning baseball games. they just soon lose, get the better draft pick, let their young people play. They aren't about winning baseball games right now. We look at all the couples around us. We think everybody's marriage is about cultivating true love between two people. Right? That's the core. Somewhere, honestly, they say at the core is the kids. At the core of my marriage is pride not always about cultivating true love, right? We assume all churches are about Jesus at the core, but sadly they aren't. In fact, take out your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 3, page 936 in the Bibles you have in front of you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 7 through 18 this morning, reading in two different sections, so you want to keep your Bibles open. And let me give you a heads up while you're looking up 2 Corinthians 3. This is not the easiest passage. It's not one that you turn to often and you're overly familiar with. So you may need need to focus with me and stay with me for a little bit here this morning, okay? In this passage, 2 Corinthians 3, Paul is really identifying, he's talking to these first century believers, and he's identifying for them what truer Christianity is really all about. He's identifying for them what the core what well, the core of their community, what being church and doing church and what it really means. Okay, And what he's really doing is he's comparing the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. That's the, the Old Testament way of doing the community of God. The Old Testament way of being right with God. He's now introducing the New Testament way of being the community of God, of being right with God. And listen to what he writes. Let's just start with 7 through through 11 to begin. He says, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, he's talking about the law there, right? If that came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Alright, let's pause there for a minute. There's a lot of glory here and there. We need to figure out what he's trying to, what he's trying to get at here. What Paul is really doing in this paragraph is he's comparing these two ways of relating with God. Two ways of being church, of being the community of God together. Two ways of understanding what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Right? True Christianity. First of all, he points out the old way. He says this old way was all about the law, okay? It was about, about the law, about being good enough, about being obedient enough, about being right enough to meet all of God's requirements for following him and being in relationship with him. It was about taking all the right steps for forgiveness, right? This old way was about a checklist. Here's a checklist of what you do. Here's a checklist of how you have to be. And he says, okay, you have that old way that was all about the law, and now you have this new way that's all about the spirit. It's about relationship. Yes, there's still obedience to God. Yes, there's, there's, still, there's still a right way and a wrong way to live, but now living that way is all motivated by a relationship instead of a checklist. Right? Obedience is done out of a heart filled with love. Filled with the Spirit and directed by God. Obedience is motivated now by gratitude instead of a checklist. He goes out this old way. He says this old way, this checklist and this law always brought us condemnation. It's purpose. The purpose of the law was to show us again and again how far short we've fallen. How we've failed. How we don't measure up to what God needs us to be. Now, he says, we have the Spirit alive within us who forgives us, claims us as God's own children, and the Spirit will remind us again and again and again of what we have received at the foot of the cross, will remind us of righteousness that is ours through Jesus Christ. He will point out our goodness through Jesus. So instead of constantly wallowing in our guilt over here, Now we celebrate God's grace and the transformation that he works in us. Okay, the comparison goes on. He says this old way was temporary, right? The the law was a stopgap measure, a temporary patch on a broken relationship, a temporary patch that God put on this relationship to hold us together with him until the time was right for final redemption to be fulfilled. And now this new way has been fulfilled with God, and it's permanent, This is the way that God was working towards all along. And he goes on to say, now wait a minute. This old way, this old way of the law was good. Aren't we often quick to condemn the law, the legalistic uh, checklist? And some of it needs to be. But this Old Testament process was good. In reality, he says it was glorious. It enabled us to be, in the Old Testament people, to be in a relationship with God Almighty. It was a good thing. But now that we have the ministry of the Spirit, we get to experience an even more glorious thing. In fact, it is so glorious, this old way of relating with God just fades away into nothingness. We now have the spirit of God alive within us, leading us, guiding us, forgiving us, transforming us, injecting the amazing grace of God right directly into our hearts, not standing in judgment, but living in grace. It's an intimate and personal relationship with God himself. So he compares these these whole things. You can really summarize the old way and the new way with these words. You can say the old way was really about legalism, wasn't it? It's a checklist of things to do. Do it all right and you're good enough to be in the family of God. But the new way is all about love. It's about receiving the love of God through Jesus Christ and then living out that love. Loving the Lord your God, God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and then loving your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so in these verses Paul lays these two opposite. He creates this chart. In that paragraph, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? What does this have to do with us really being church the way we're supposed to be? Well, Paul, Paul brings his point home to his New Testament readers who, like us, are trying to figure out what's at the very core of who they are. They're trying to peel back all the layers, right? And what's at the core? What is the truer Christianity? Well, listen to how he brings it home starting at verse 12, reading that last paragraph. Says therefore, since we have such a hope—the hope that comes from the new covenant, the Spirit, the covenant of love—since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, the giver of the old covenant. Right? We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains. with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. All right, so what's he saying there? He's saying, peel back all the layers of what we do and who we are. And he says, we better find Jesus at the heart and core of who we are. We better find love instead of legalism. Right? This, this new covenant ministry of the Spirit is the way of Jesus. It, it, it's the way of relating to God that focuses and is hinges on Jesus. Because it's Jesus, he says, who pulls away the veil so we fully see God. It's, it's Jesus who brings us into a relationship with Him. It's Jesus, he says, who brings us freedom, right? Where the Spirit is, there is freedom who moves us away from from a relationship that's grounded in legalism and brings us a relationship grounded in the freedom of love. And it's Jesus whose image must be seen in us as a community, in us as individuals, right? Verse 18, that's where his climax, where he brings it all home. He says we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Right there, my friends, is your practical litmus test for us as a church family, for us as individuals. That's the test that many millennials are often holding up to us. Are we about Jesus? Do we look like him? Are we about Jesus or are we about legalism? Do we look like Jesus in how we behave, in how we act? Do we talk like Jesus to each other and to this world? Do we love each other? And do we love hurting people all around the world just like Jesus loved? Do we love and trust God our Father the way that Jesus loved and trusted him? A life that was 100% committed to God. Are we about Jesus? And sadly, churches often aren't about Jesus. They don't have Jesus at the core. Sadly, many of us who have been believers all of our lives really aren't about Jesus at the core. We're missing this true Christianity that God intended and, and that so many young people of our, the next generation are looking for. Peel back the layers to the very core. What do we find in our churches? What do we find in our hearts so often? Well, often we'll find that we're really about tradition, right? About ritual instead of Jesus. Jesus. We're about maintaining our styles and our songs and our building, our way of doing church that we're comfortable with. And that's what we'll fight for. That's what, what we'll grumble about when we lose it. We come to church because this is what you've always done. Coming to church is the right thing to do. It's the pattern that should be ingrained. And it's about legalism more than it's about love. Right? Tradition focuses on how we do things instead of who we're doing them for. Or peel back the layers and you'll often find that we're about policy. Policy about who gets to come in and who has to stay out. Right? We want this community of ours to be comfortable for us. We want our lives to be comfortable. And so we set up policies and rules to let in the people that we like and who like us. And to subtly keep out people who make us uncomfortable. People who challenge us. We're about who we include. The policies about who we include Instead of how we can love all people in Jesus' name Often peel back the layers You'll find that we're about we're about practice Social practice, right? Social action out in the world Right? We want to make a difference in the world around us So we, we engage in transforming this world In big ways and small ways, right? From lobbying for causes and politics To advocating for justice and mercy Donating money Uh, mentoring children, caring for friends and neighbors, and we do all these things, but we end up forgetting why we're doing them. We leave Jesus behind and we just do it for ourselves, right? We're about what we are doing instead of why we're doing it and who we're doing it for. We forget the motivating foundation of love, the core. Right, so when we honestly peel away the layers, we often find something else at the core and the center, when only Jesus should be there. So, if we peel away that core and Jesus is there, what, what would it look like? What, what, what should we be looking for? How do we know if we're experiencing truer Christianity rooted in the ministry of the Spirit instead of, instead of ministry of the law and legalism? What's the evidence we should see in each other? In ourselves. What, what are the millennials looking for? Well, Paul himself tells us in Galatians chapter 2. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live in the faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. Isn't that just how he ended the passage we read? We're being transformed into his image. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. When Jesus is truly at the core of this community, when Jesus is at the core of each one of our hearts, when we are experiencing this truer Christianity, then like Paul, we will die to ourselves and live for God. Jesus Christ himself will come alive within us and anyone who looks at us will see Jesus in our actions, our actions of mercy and compassion. And anyone who listens to us will hear Jesus in our words of encouragement and honesty. And anyone who has the courage to to enter into our community will feel the welcoming love and grace of Jesus Christ himself. Through us, when we die to self and instead live for God, people in this world will encounter Jesus Christ through us. Yes, we will still care about the form of our worship. But we will care out of love for God and are we worshiping Him well? And we will care out of love for each other instead of legalism or selfishness. Yes, we will still care about who comes into this community, but we will care out of love for God and love for each other, not out of our own comfort and our own preference. And yes, we will still care. I hope we will still care about promoting mercy and justice in this world. But we will do those good works out of a love for God and out of a love for each other, not to earn God's favor, We will fully be living for God because we have died to self. That's Paul's message to us, the church. John, the Apostle John comes right up next to him and says the same thing. He says, in this world, we are like Jesus. We are like Jesus. That's what the next generation is looking for from us. You know, often we start our relationship with Jesus and we long for Jesus deeply at the start and then our longings begin to drift and wander and we long for other things more than we long for Jesus. And that's why each of us as individuals as well as us as a community, we need to dare to peel away the layers and honestly discover what's at the core of our community, what's at the core of our hearts. Do we really long for Jesus? Really? Do we really want to be transformed into his image? Do we, are we really willing to die to self and come alive to God? Really? Let's be honest. Be honest about what that might look like with your possessions. Because Jesus didn't own anything. And Jesus willingly gave everything away. Do you really want to be transformed into his image when it comes to your possessions? Let's be honest about what it looks like in your relationships. Because Jesus loved the unlovable. He cared about strangers and foreigners and the poor and the sick and the outcast. Do you really want to be transformed into Jesus' image and those relationships. Let's be honest about what that looks like with your time. Because Jesus invested all of his time into God's kingdom purposes, not his own. He wasn't about his own kingdom. He was about God's kingdom. Do you really want to be transformed into that image when it comes to your calendar and your time? Be honest about what it looks like with your life. Because Jesus gave his everything, his very life away for the purposes of God, his Father. Really? Do you want that? Are you willing to die to self and come alive to God? Is that you? Is that me? Is that us? Let me read that opening statement one more time. You can't hand us a latte and then go about business as usual and expect us to stick around. We're not leaving the church because we don't find the cool factor there. We're leaving the church because we don't find Jesus there. When people look at us, do they find Jesus here? Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for this community called the church. It seems like foolishness to us, but in your great wisdom, you have chosen us, the church, to be the avenue by which you change lives, the avenue by which you transform this world. And Father, we confess that we haven't always been very good at that. We have... We have chosen, Father, to focus on other things. We put other things at our core rather than Jesus. We haven't been all about Him. We've been living lives of legalism. We've been living Old Covenant way. We've been shaping this community to be what's comfortable for us. Father, people are looking for Jesus in us. Give us the courage, please. First of all, to look into our own hearts and be honest with you. Do we really want to look like Jesus? What's at the core of our hearts that we need to set aside so that Jesus can take that place? So that being faithful to you and loving you and serving you and receiving your grace is priority one above all else. Give us the courage to look at our community, Father. And when Jesus isn't at the core, to change, to die to self and come alive to you. Thank you for your forgiveness. You know how often we fail. You know how, how far we fall that you pick us up and you love us again and again and again. And you cheer us on as your community. You celebrate the victories you give us right along with us. So I thank you for Ivan Rest Church. I thank you for the ways that you have used us to change lives, to grow lives, that you've transformed many of us in this room to be more like Jesus. Father, now I ask that you'd help us to know you more and more. Because, Jesus, you are the very breath that gives us life. Without without the breath of life from you, Jesus, we die. We have no purpose. We have no reason. So help us to breathe deeply of you, Jesus. Be our very life breath.